0: Hello and welcome to the PLUS Podcast. This week, Cambridge celebrates the opening of the Women in Mathematics Photo Exhibition. The exhibition first launched in Berlin in the summer of 2016, containing 13 portraits of female mathematicians from throughout Europe. Now six further women, all mathematicians at the University of Cambridge, have contributed their portraits too. We've taken the opportunity to interview these six women. This podcast contains the interview with Anne-Christine Davis, Professor of Theoretical Physics here at Cambridge. To read, watch, or hear the other five interviews, and to find out more about the exhibition, visit plus.maths.org content women. But to hear Anne talk about her long career as a mathematician and theoretical physicist, and to find out more about the challenges she faced, listen on. Hi Anne, would you like to start off by introducing yourself,
1: please? Uh, yes, I'm Anne-Christine Davis, I'm Professor of Mathematical Physics 1967, fancy title, So this is one of the named chairs in the Department of Applied Mathematics and Theoretical Physics. It's actually the first of the established chairs, other than the Lucasian, which is the whole of mathematics. Okay, great.
0: So could you tell us how and when did you choose to do mathematics?
1: I'm really a theoretical physicist. So I've always been fascinated by science how things work by nature you know the stars in the sky from a very very young age i became interested in science a little story there do you want me to go yeah when i was when i first started school the teacher put flashcards up a is for apple b is for banana c is for i can't remember what and she teaches our alphabet and fine, okay then she did it again and I thought, that's strange, she's done that once we all know this now, why is she doing it again and the teacher picked this up that I had learnt my alphabet first time round and gave me a bucket of water a pipette essentially to play with and I learned a little bit about specific gravity and I thought oh I want to be a scientist this is fun <laughs> so I was five then um, I realized that to understand physics one has to understand mathematics that the two are intertwined and you can't do physics without mathematics since I'm not a natural experimentalist despite that little story um, I became a theoretical physicist and of course that brought me into mathematics and some physics, a lot of physics is underpinned by absolutely beautiful mathematics, like Einstein equations, for example. Um, Okay,
0: and what is it like being a female mathematician stroke theoretical physicist?
1: Oh, it's a lot easier now than it used to be. Um, when I was young, I didn't really think about it. I, At school, I was the only girl doing A-level physics, which was actually quite... Uh, and A-level mathematics, actually, and chemistry. It was quite isolating, because I would work by myself and the boys would work together, until a lad in the year above me failed his A-levels and retook and then he and I worked together and he liked working with me because I was bright and I quite liked working with him because I had someone to work with. So when I went to university, I went to Royal Holloway to do physics and it was a bit more of a revelation because having come from a mixed, innocently comprehensive school, being the only one doing physics... Any girl. When I got to university, there were other women doing A-level physics, doing BS, a degree in physics. Sorry. In fact, there were about five of us in our lecture lecture room, a female. But of course, as I went on, and I realised that I was, you know, I did my PhD, and again, I was in a group with. guys, it was a bit isolating because you don't really have a close friend. I used to have friends in different research groups to mine, but not in my own research group. And I think I really struck me when I came out of my PhD viva and one of the lecturers said, you know, congratulations, Um, so uh, when are you going to get married? And I looked slightly surprised. I said, well, you've got your PhD now, so what's there left for you to do but marry Tony, my then-boyfriend? And since I had no intentions of marrying Tony, <laughs> I was really quite shocked. And my, a senior member in my department had a a postdoc that he was offering, and I said, oh, are there any women applying? And he turned around and said, I wouldn't give a job to a woman when there was a man there, because a man has a family to look after, whereas a woman has a husband to look after her. And I kind of realised that the attitudes that I thought were outdated were still there. And, you know, this has sort of gone on, I'm afraid, almost throughout my career, that I've come up against being the the woman. Um, Well, I survived that experience. I did do a postdoc. My first postdoc was quite hard. My second postdoc was fantastic. I was at Imperial College. I was in the group of Tom Kibble. And whilst I wasn't working in that area of Tom, in fact, Tom wasn't that active at the time. Tom was definitely a mentor. Tom Kibble had two daughters and a son. He was desperately supportive of women. And women in physics. And from that point on until his recent death, Tom was very supportive of me. So, you know, I think my luck really changed as a postdoc in Imperial. Uh, I went to CERN for my next postdoc, and that was. There were other women around at CERN. I had friends in the experimental group. There were senior women theorists hanging around, but they were in the University of Annecy or somewhere else. They weren't actually appointed in CERN. And I didn't realise at the time, in fact, I've only realised a few years ago, that I was the first woman to have a a job in the theory division at CERN. So that's sort of, something that took me a bit, bit of a shock. I'm, I'm pleased I didn't know that when I was there because I don't know if I could have coped. You know, sort of being... I was the first to go to university in my family and being the first woman here and the first woman there, so I said, hang on a minute, I'm not sure about this. Mm, yeah. So, um, you know, in this... In Cambridge, when I first came to Cambridge on a five-year research fellowship it was actually quite a hard place to be a woman. Um, Ruth Williams was here. She was a college teaching officer in Girton and not really regarded as part of the mainstream. One thing is that her research wasn't central to what the research groups were doing, but also I think she she was treated a bit like a second-class citizen when, when I first arrived. And I came with this prestigious five-year fellowship, and I was treated like a second-class citizen. And, you know, you suddenly realised that Cambridge was quite a hard place to be a woman. Slowly things have improved, and now it's changed completely. You know, it's changed out of all recognition. Quite a lot of that was down to an inspirational head of department he has years ago now, David Crichton who set the ball rolling, recognised the achievements of some of the women, and essentially found ways of making, getting them appointed into university positions. And his former research student, who's our now head of department, seems to be following in that line. So I so don't know if I've answered that question. Yes, no, very
0: good. It's very interesting to hear that perspective. Okay. Um, So what advice would you give to a young woman now who is thinking about going into mathematics?
1: Oh, I think that if they want to go into mathematics or science in general, if they're interested, they need to persevere and follow their dream. If someone says you're not good enough or someone says women don't do maths, just ignore them or tell them they're wrong and prove they're wrong. Just, you know, if you really want to do it, just persevere so you can do it.
0: Okay, great. And um, for you personally, what are the joys of doing, well, mathematics, theoretical physics, and what are the challenges?
1: I mean, my biggest joy now is being a PhD supervisor an advisor to younger people and watching them flower. They come as, you know, just finished their degrees and they blossom over the three or four years into being great researchers and this is fantastic. I now have several research students, former research students who are in faculty positions, in fact several women. So I've got uh, two very successful women. One of them is in Nottingham, another in Imperial, both of them f- thriving leaders in the field. and. It's fantastic this is my biggest joy now of watching these people develop. but you know also I still get a kick. I I've just come back from delivering the Owenfest colloquium in Leiden and as far as I can tell, I am the second woman in the history of this colloquium to do it. It's quite amusing because you sign the wall afterwards and so I've signed the wall I mean, there's quite a lot of signatures, but there's also Einstein there. Wow. So, um, rather overwhelming com- you know, company. My, when I first, when I was first thinking about this, I, I was a bit overwhelmed. Well, I know that they haven't had women for years doing this one. and But, no, you can do it, you know. And in a way, I still get the kick out of realising that my work is appreciated. Mm, yes. And, as well as developing the younger generation. So could you tell us what your work is is about? Well, my work recently, over many years now, has been, um, it's, it's in theoretical cosmology. We discovered that the universe is undergoing a late period of accelerated expansion so we knew that there was a steady expansion of the universe. This is what um, we get from looking at Einstein equations in a, what's called a Freeman Robertson-Walker, in a cosmological solution. But it seems to have undergone this accelerated expansion that was, when, when we realized, found it out, it was completely surprising. And I've been trying to understand that. The approach I've taken is rather than saying oh it's a cosmological constant that Einstein put in and then try to explain why well, it's a funny scale, is thinking that it's dynamical and it's coming from the dynamics of a field. So I've added an extra field to Einstein gravity. It's called a chameleon.
0: <laughs>
1: well that's the one I it's easiest to describe and this Gives, should give you an extra force a fifth force but the way the chameleon mechanism works the behavior of the chameleon depends on the environment so when the environment's very dense like in the solar system the extra force is screened because the chameleon becomes quite massive but cosmologically it's massless and unscreened so it gives you extra affection. the cosmos.
0: So last question, like, could you um, tell us about one of your favourite scientific experiences? Perhaps a eureka moment or Ooh. or maybe even something at school, like, like you already told, talked about, the
1: water bucket. And... I think there's been... there's been quite a few eureka moments. I mean one of the eureka moments was actually um, writing down this chameleon theory and suddenly realising that no, there isn't a fifth force, actually it works like this, you know, we have this screening around the fifth force when matter is dense, this is how it works. And, you know, suddenly realising that on the paper, you know, piece of paper you've got, wow, that's incredible.
0: And that was Anne-Christine Davis talking about her life and work as a theoretical physicist. To read, watch or hear interviews with other female mathematicians and to find out more about the Women in Mathematics photo exhibition, visit plus.maths.org content women. Thanks for listening and bye-bye.